Let me just tell you that I have missed being in worship with you, and it's so good to see each and every one of you here. There are several new faces here, and I just want to give you my personal welcome. We are so glad you're here. We hope that you will feel and experience the Spirit's power in this worship experience today. Uh, I need to thank Brent, my dear brother, for his, not only his words this morning, but what he has poured into this body of Christ in the last couple weeks. I want to publicly thank my dear sister Maria Bowers, who has also shared her faith. This is what worship is all about. We give of ourselves to God. And on most days, God speaks in and through, not on most days, in all things, God speaks in and through his servants. So you and I can have a word to to chew on, to move forward in our week. I want to talk to you today about palm trees. Palm trees. I read a scripture recently and it has just captivated my very spirit. It's from Psalm 92. It says, the, worship, the righteous will flourish like palm trees. goes on to talk about cedars of Lebanon as well, but I want to talk to you this morning about palm trees. That intrigued me. The, the righteous will flourish like palm trees. I didn't know much about palm trees, so I had to do some research. Palm trees are some pretty incredible living things. I have seen the Weather Channel's of, of live pictures of hurricane storms, I'm sure you have, where the palm trees are blowing to be almost horizontal with the earth. They are so um, being blown and tossed and thrown in the wind. But you need to know these things about palm trees. First of all, they are stronger than most of those more beautiful, majestic trees. They are stronger in that they are designed to bend. They are designed not to snap and break when those hurricane force winds are, are whipping through them. They're missing this, some kind of certain gum that in other trees, when, when the winds blow, they snap and break. Remember this, palm trees bounce back. They bend, but they do not break. Secondly, palm trees have deep roots. They have a taproot that goes very deep down into the ground. So in the seasons of drought, when there is not enough water, that palm tree has a root that goes down to the deepest parts of the earth, not only for stability, but for water that sustains it. Deep roots designed to, to be flexible, to bend, and not to break. And finally, scientists have discovered after experiencing the storm. They, they have been doing research on this particular type of palm tree. They are stronger. Their trunks are more beautiful. They grow bigger and stronger because they have endured the storm. Well, I hope you can kind of figure out where I'm wanting to go with this today because you and I need to follow the example of a palm tree. We are all experiencing storms in life. If you're not in the midst of a chaotic, challenging storm right now, you have been or you will be, right? That is the reality of life. 
You perhaps are, are being attacked from all directions. You have challenges. You have struggles. You have questions. You're wondering where God is or what God's doing or what God is calling you to, how God is guiding or directing you. And let's just say, remember Jesus said, life is difficult. In this world, you will have trouble. But he said, have no fear. I have overcome the world. So let's move forward with thinking about this status, this example of a palm tree. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like palm trees, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness or unrighteousness in him. I want you to to know what being righteous is all about. You see, righteous and righteousness is a state of being. It is our identity, and it comes only through Jesus Christ our Lord. We cannot be righteous on our own. Only God is righteous. And through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, we claim our identity. We claim our righteousness. We are free from guilt and sin, not because of anything we do, but because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. It is all because of Jesus that we are righteous. Righteousness comes by exercising our faith in Jesus Christ. It is an exercise. It is a choice. It is a practice It just doesn't happen that you wake up one morning and you say, oh, hey, I'm righteous. It is a practice. It is a choice. It is who you and I choose to be through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to take you to some some scriptures to delineate that a little bit more. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. That's it. That's clear. It's nothing to do with us, but it is Jesus Christ, his blood, his righteousness, that gives us the freedom, that gives us our identity, righteousness. Righteousness. Romans 1. Go back there. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Hmm. One of my favorites. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, that is the truth, that is what we stand on, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God, our identity from God, is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Do you hear how God gives it to us, but it's a choice how we act upon it? We can't do it on our own. We can't become righteous. We can't form our own identity as righteous people. We claim, we choose, we practice righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And finally, the last one, you know this one, Matthew 6, 
33. This is that, that whole do not worry section of scripture. Jesus is teaching us, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what's coming. But then he says this. um, Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Do you hear the priority there? It's not that Jesus said, okay, now when you get into this storm and chaos is blowing all around you, you try to figure it out and you try really hard to, to be in control and you work harder and you strive harder. No, Jesus says, first, seek my kingdom. Seek my way, Jesus said. Follow after me. Claim who you are in me, Jesus says. And then all of these things will be given to you. You know how it is when you're in the midst of chaos, when you're in the midst of storm, and you're striving, striving, We are so a striving generation. That's who we are, and it's wrong. We're supposed to be a surrendering generation. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom, my kingdom, and my righteousness. We surrender. We say, God, this is more than I can handle. I don't know what's going on, and I certainly don't understand all of these things. The darts are coming at me. I've got these challenges. We've got these diagnoses. We've got this loss of job. We've got these bullies at school. I lost this. I did this. And we cry out to Jesus instead of striving. He says, you surrender. You give it to me. You seek first. You say, Jesus, I need you. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And when you do that, Jesus promises us that our circumstances may not change, but we will be grounded, we will be secure, we will be steadfast, and we will be able to experience peace in the midst of the storm. Practice choose righteousness. You need to know two things, because if we are practicing righteousness, we are going to be able to to hear and seek God's conviction for us. A conviction means to impress truth. And if you are struggling in, in the middle of some storm right now, you continue to pray, God, I need you. I need to, you to reveal yourself to me. I need to know your truth. I need help in claiming my identity in you. Conviction. It's the kind of thing that when we practice, we experience this through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how conviction plays itself out. In the midst of chaos and storm, struggle and challenge, conviction is still. It stills us. We have that peace that passes all understanding. It instructs us. Perhaps there is a need in your life that you are trying to cover up. You're dressing with the right clothes. You're, you're putting on the right mask, the right facade. You're striving, striving. And perhaps the Holy Spirit will convict you or instruct you to bring a need of yours to your attention. Also, 
Conviction means that there will be our sinful nature that comes to our awareness because God doesn't want us to live out of our sinful nature. He wants us to live out of our spirit nature through the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. So do you get the idea? If we are hearing God's conviction through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be still. We will be instructed by God. God will lead us. Conviction leads us forward. There's a, a forward momentum. It's, it's not that we're going to be stuck and stagnant and paralyzed in fear or doubt, paralyzed by our overwhelming circumstances. We are going to be led and we are going to be encouraged. If we practice, when we practice righteousness, when we claim who we are in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to encourage us. More than likely, we will have other people speaking life and speaking truth into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, God's conviction comforts us. It brings us closer to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It strengthens us. Get the idea? Now, the problem is when you and I are in our striving mode, when we are trying to do everything on our own and trying hard to fight that, that hurricane force wind, when we are bent over like a palm tree, it's very easy for us as humans to snap, to break, because we give in to condemnation. This is what condemnation sounds like. And, and you know what condemnation is. It's a, it's, a, it's a vote against. It's to decide against. For me, it's this little negative voice that keeps at me saying, I can't do it. It's never going to work out. It's always going to be worse than I think it is. That's condemnation. Now, where conviction stills, condemnation rushes. It's like, oh gosh, I got to figure this out. I, I should have had this figured out yesterday. I haven't tried hard enough. I got it. I got it. I got to I got to get it all done. You felt it, right? Condemnation confuses. Just the other day, I was sitting with a dear sister and I was saying, I just had this dark cloud hanging over me and my brain was all foggy and, and I couldn't think clearly. Well, that I was describing condemnation. I had fallen into that trap yet again instead of claiming fully who I was in Jesus Christ. Condemnation pushes you. It frightens you. If you are, are paralyzed by fear and by doubt, if you are, are paralyzed and overwhelmed by anxiety or worry, then you say, hmm, to condemnation, and you pray that God will give you the conviction you need to claim your full authority in Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally, condemnation. The voice of condemnation wants us to be in a tizzy of worry. And that's not where Jesus Christ wants us to be. Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation. In Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the truth that we need to stand on. When we are in the midst of challenges, and you know life is tough. 
When you see loved ones who are battling for their very life, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, then you battle for and with them. You pray that God would convict you with truth so that you can speak a word of life into them. When you think that there's really no hope, when you are in the midst of despair, when you are overcome by doubt or worry or anxiety, then you pray, God, I need you. Help me to claim who I am by the blood of Jesus Christ. I can testify to this. When we claim our righteousness, God gives us a boldness. God gives us our spiritual authority. God gives us confidence. Uh, God also helps us to be obedient. Because in life, God wants us to move forward. God wants us to do what he is calling us to do, to be the people he has created us to be. And if we are stuck in condemnation, we are unable to move forward. God gives us the strength to do what we're called to do, even when, especially when, it doesn't make a bit of sense. It doesn't have any logic to it whatsoever. Now, three things that you need to know. These are our weapons, and I'm going to talk more about this next week. But you may, as, as ha, we have sung and as, as Nick prayed so powerfully, we claim the name of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is the name above all names. When you are in the midst of a storm and you are bent over and you think you are about to break, you simply say out loud the name of Jesus You cry for his help. You profess that you have faith in him. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Jesus, help. You say it out loud. You stand firm on the name of Jesus. And secondly, you profess that you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we become righteous when we claim our identity. And you claim it over your life, over your family, and your friend's life. It's a whole mantra. I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. You say it out loud. You claim your territory. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If you haven't done that aloud in your house, then you need to do that this week. You need to go into each room of your house and proclaim, claim your territory. This is a house where Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, resides. You claim each room. This room is where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, resides. uh, We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Claim your territory. And thirdly, we stand firmly on the word of God. I've been doing my best to, instead of reading great lengths of scripture, to take a few few verses and meditate on them and let them seep to the very depth of my being. We need to do that as Christians. That's what we're called to do, to stand firm on the truth of the gospel. 
Just last week, there was an incident where our family was really scared. So I went to scripture and I put our names in there. Not just that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, but I named this baby. I said, Harper Ray is fearfully and wonderfully made. You find scripture that is appropriate and you put your names, your loved ones, your friends' names in there and you claim it, you profess it, you stand firm on it. That's how we can be like palm trees in those hurricane force winds. I'll ask the band to come up. I've asked them to to lead us in a very powerful song. It's an older one that Natalie Grant did, oh, I think six or seven years ago. But it talks about our professing fully the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And as they are singing, I want you to let this be a time of prayer. And I hope that somehow you can open up to the truth that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. There is power, there's power in the name of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, and the word of God. We're going to worship, and I think we're probably going to go over time, but please don't disengage. Stay engaged, pray, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. There's healing to be done. There's work to be done. If you want prayer, come up here, pray. If you feel led to pray with somebody out there, pray. But claim your identity. Claim your righteousness. In the mighty name of Jesus.